welcome to Accountability Talks with AGA. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. Today, we're talking about some innovations in blockchain, using it to uh, test out some ideas with uh, grants. And uh, we have Mike Wetclow, Craig Fisher, and Justin Pohl joining us today to talk about some things that NSF and Treasury are working, and uh, I think you'll find it a very interesting case study. So yeah, without further ado, let's find out all about it. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Okay, so today we're speaking about blockchain technology and specifically around grants, and uh, very happy to have three guests here on the show today. So why don't we start off with, um, with Mike? Hi, good to be with everybody. Um, I hope everyone's doing well in this uh, new world we're working through. Um, my name is Mike Wecklow. I'm the Deputy CFO at NSF. I'm a blockchain enthusiast and aspiring learning how to be a data scientist, which kind of goes into some of the things we're going to talk to you about today. So good to be with you. Great. How about Craig? My name is Craig Fisher, and I work with the Bureau of the Fiscal Service, the Office of Finance, Innovation, and Transformation, and we've been working on blockchain for the past few years, So, um, and we're really proud to be working with NSF on this project and looking forward to seeing what's next. Great, and then we also have Justin. Yeah, hello, everybody. This is Justin Pohl, and I work with National Science Foundation uh, with Mike Wecklow in the Division of Financial Management, and I'm a senior accountant and primarily responsible for grant management and oversight uh, related to financial matters. Okay, well, thanks, everybody, for joining us today. Why don't we just get right into this, and folks can go back, and uh, there was an AGA Journal article that I'm kind of um, taking, basing this discussion off of, I believe it was around June, July time frame. Um, so why don't we just start off, maybe Craig can give us a little brief refresher of what exactly is blockchain? How does that work? So Craig, please. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, blockchain technology has actually been around with us now for about 12 years. And, you know, I think that to try to actually explain how the actual technology works can be actually rather complicated. But I think what, what, what I think it might be more valuable is just to sort of like talk about what it enables. And what it originally, the, the problem that it originally solved was the double spending problem. And what the double spending problem is, is that anything that is useful can be copied, um, which is why with, with money, we have to have third parties to help us uh, take money out of my bank account and then put it in somebody else's bank account. Well, blockchain technology solves that problem. It allows for the period of transfer of value in a way that we've never been able to achieve before. Um, and what we're finding is that the technology that allows for that to happen had some or has some, I would say, unintended potential benefits for federal financial management in that transactions are very transparent. Um, there's a high degree of resiliency that you achieve with blockchain technology. There's a lot of automation that comes along with blockchain technology. So all of these things are um, uh, positive for, for federal financial net management. And this is why we've been spending the last few years trying to understand the 
proposition that this technology could bring to government. Okay. Well, thank you for that. And uh, I think another concept that goes along with blockchain is something called tokenization. And you guys talked about it in the article. Um, maybe Justin can help us out. You know, just talk about this tokenization concept and how this would work with uh, federal grants. Yeah, great. So tokenization is an important concept to understand when discussing distributed ledger technology. A tokenization is the process in which we digitally represent a real asset by assigning the value, ownership, and any other rules that might apply to a digital token that can be used to transfer that asset between uh, the network users. Uh, if we take an example of a real-life asset, such as the home that we're all living in uh, and staying in most of the time now, uh, we can embed the economic value and other ownership rights of that home into a digital token. Uh, we can assign its worth, we can assign ownership, we can assign certain rules, whether it's uh, rentable, et cetera. And then that digital token that has been embedded with those that, that digital information is what actually gets transferred on the dis distributed ledger from one user to another. Um, and each transfer or action that's taken on that token is tracked and recorded in an immutable manner for network users to review and see. Hey, um, Craig and Paul um, and Justin too, can I jump in on that a little bit? Because I, I think this is kind of like a, a key learning um, that, that we learned about since the article is the uh, concept of, of digital wallets. Um, that, that's like a new, new thing that we've uh, worked through. And, and one, one way that I, I've wrapped my head around this, and, and Craig, you've um, discussed this too, is like, you, you know, we, we all maybe have had kids and have taken them to Chuck E. Cheese to, and played skee ball and we get all these tickets. Um, and, and then take it to the the stand to to get uh, an um, you know um, you know value or a you know stuffed animal or something like that. Uh, that that's kind of what a digital token is like. So one and Craig, you might you might be able to speak to this well too. It's um is is like having this concept of a digital wallet, kind of holding these um, tokens and and being able to kind of work with our university. Uh, partners or our customers. Craig, do you want to speak to that? Because digital wallet is, is kind of like a key concept that is really kind of emerged from our, our learning since the original paper. Do you want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, I do think you're right. I mean, I think in the, in the, when you're digitally representing this thing of value, you still need a way and a mechanism to pass this value from, from participant to participant. So we use this thing called the digital wallet to do that. And as Mike had sort of indicated, you know, it's a little bit like, you know, I, I you know, Mike uses the Chuck E. Cheese example. I kind of use the the casino example, where if you go to a casino, you um, you convert those actually those dollars into chips, and and, and you could actually think of tokens in, in the same manner as chips, in that you can pass those chips between participants. You can play games, but it has no value outside of that casino. You have to convert it. Yes. Um, to, to dollars um, um, in order for it to actually to buy anything. So it works in, in, in many of the same ways, except that in, in the example that I just gave, any single time that 
that particular chip would move, we would see that. We would see who it would go to, we would see the value of that. And again, this kind of gives you that enhanced transparency that you get with blockchain technology. So, hey, Craig, I, I really, t tell me if you agree with this, because, um, you know, we, we learned about the tokens. So you're, you're saying now that like, is a digital wallet kind of like the bucket you, you put in your, you, you know, all your chips in as you're, you know, like me going around the, the slot machines and stuff. So is that, is that what a digital wallet is like? It's kind of like to hold all, all these tokens together? That's exactly right. Yeah. So the digital wallet can okay. allow me to hold these tokens and then pass those tokens off to somebody else. Um, it, you know, it, it's, 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 um, it's kind of similar to an account, you know, like, like a bank account and then you see the money coming in, you see the money going. Um, but that's exactly right. And I think that there's a lot more that we have to learn with respect to these digital wallets and how you authenticate people coming onto the blockchain. Um, so a lot more lessons learned to come with that, but you're exactly right, Mike. It's a, it's a key lesson learned for us. And circling back to the tokenization topic related to grants, uh, each grant award has these characteristics just like these other real physical assets that we've been discussing. Uh, they have a value, they have key information such as a project start, end date, budgetary restrictions, who's involved, who's responsible and accountable for the project. And all of these data elements will become a component of the digital tech token that is representing the grant letter once the grant has been tokenized. Right, so you have your, your money and then everything, all the data points that go with it and everybody who drew down on it or it was transferred to so it's just a immutable record of all that history so okay absolutely that makes sense well and that actually goes to my next question um you know it sounds like this would this would be a great way to help you know really track grants or any other kind of monies um you know help with transparency tracing exactly what's going on with this money throughout its history maybe you guys can speak to that a little bit you know what are some things blockchain can do to to help with traceability, trackability. Yeah, so I guess I can start on this one too. So, you know, currently the way that grants work is that when, um, you know, when a prime recipient is ready to be paid, they go to one of these uh, uh, draw, uh, payments drawdown systems and they, and they draw down those funds. And what happens is that then that triggers an ACH transaction to occur effectively takes money from the federal government and goes down to that prime recipient. We can see that transaction today. We know when that happens. But in the era or in the, in the arena of grants, um, a lot of those grant payments travel down to the subrecipient. So again, when that subrecipient then requires money to do something to buy the microscopes, to do some sort of to, to fulfill the obligations of grants, they use the ACH transaction, um, ACH network to do that. So it pulls money out of the prime recipient's bank account and into the subrecipient. We don't see that at all um, from, from um, that transaction. So because we don't see that, the federal government um, asked for a great deal of reporting to, to go along with those transactions. And this is where um, we're trying to understand a block can really enhance that transparency through this tokenization. Because again, with the idea of tokenization is that once you tokenize, once you represent this grant payment to a token, as this token travels from the government to the prime recipient to the sub-recipient, this is all very transparent 
and you can get these sort of updates in near real time. So we know where this token is traveling at any given time and who has it. So it really unlocks this transparency that we currently don't have today and allows you to trace where these fundings have come from all the way down to a, to a sub-recipient. And again, the value of that additional transparency that we're learning and we're hoping to find is a lot less reporting when it comes to um, the prime and sub-recipients. So I guess is the concept that if you all were to use this for a federal grant, would the blockchain technology be both the actual money and all the data, or are you just using it more to track all the different things that happen along the way, but the actual money is still coming from the bank or the whatever? I mean, how are you cashing out? So, Paul, that's, that's exactly right. So, and then I can, I'll flip over to, to Justin here to, to give more details, but exactly right. So we're, we're leaving the payment rails alone. So we are still using the ACH network to actually pay um, these recipients. But what the blockchain allows us to do is it allows us to see who the, I guess, the custodian of that payment is at any given time. So um, the way I like to think about it is that we are now, paying a prime who is then now paying a sub recipient. Um, we're losing that visibility by using that tokenization. We're, we're, tra we're, we're, we're transferring that data to the prime, transferring that data to the sub, and that sub says, I'm ready mm -hmm. to buy something. They have to convert that token into real money, which would, would, would then trigger that ACH transaction to occur. But then we know who we're paying. The federal government knows who we're paying at that sub recipient level. Justin, I'm not sure if there's any more flavor you can give to that. Yeah, so one of the things I would like to point out is the traceability goes both directions. The federal government is going to have more transparency into the token as it flows down into the prime or the sub-recipient or for whatever use it's, it's being used for. But the traceability is also going to improve for the prime recipient and the sub-recipient. The color of the money will be known throughout. Uh, one of the things that uh, I like to think of it as is this, we're, we're not looking to replace currency. We're, we're looking yeah. to replace the ledger and have a shared ledger that everybody has access to. Because right now in the current state, the federal government has their own ledgers and we send basically a paper equivalent of an award letter. Now this is an electronic form now. We send an electronic paper letter now uh, notifying the grant recipient of the terms and conditions of the grant and all of these uh, pieces of information that we talked about. They then take that information they received and input it into their own ledger, which is a separate ledger that the, they, they track. And each of the participants that currently operate in the grant management world have their own distinct separate ledgers that are not connected. They don't share data. They don't share information. And it's taking information out of one and re-inputting it into another. What we're exploring is having a shared network, a shared ledger that all users and participants will have access to, have a single source of information. And the passage of information is simply through this singular ledger or network 
and we're not having to export it from one system and input it into or intake it into another system. Yeah, Paul, let me, if I could just j jump on, because there, there's like a, a very specific uh, myth busting I, I want to make sure we do is, um, you know, because I, I think all these, you know, tokens, digital wallets, uh, you know, there's just a lot of terms in, in there. But, you know, we're, we're not, um, one, one thing I've seen people get a little nervous about is, um, you know, they'll, they'll know what happened in the news with Bitcoin. And, you know, Bitcoin begins with B, blockchain begins with B, they, they kind of commingle the two. Um, whatever you think, we're, we're not talking about Bitcoin here. People are still going to get paid and, um, you know, cold hard cash from, from, from Treasury. It's just really what Justin was saying. It's like, and it's a little bit of a change management. We all been brought up on big systems and central, you know, ledgers. I mean, this, this is a distributed ledger and, and, you know, that one that we can set up, um, you know, with our universities, um, you know, to, to, to share information and, and spend more, you know, less time on compliance and report, reporting and more time on, on value and, and information and, and data. So whatever, you know, um, you think, please don't ever think we're, we're doing Bitcoins here. Uh, has nothing to do, to do with Bitcoin here. All right. Well, with that, why don't we uh, actually get into the specific use case here? Um, there was a proof of concept, uh, I believe, NSF you guys did. So why don't we talk a little bit about that? Maybe give us some details on how it went. Yeah. It, it, one thing, Paul, just to where we got started is, um, you know, this all came out, and Craig, you, you're really good at this, as, um, you know, this all came out of um, uh, some feedback we received from universities where they said, you know, we, we, they asked a question of us, we were out doing a site visit and they said, why is it we have to do this payment system for NSF, this for education, this for DOD, this for HHS. Um, and, you know, the guy was right. You know, there is no, you know, good reason for why we need so many darn payment systems uh, in the federal government. So that, that's something that really stuck with me over the years. And we just, reached out to FIT for help, um, that we think we see something here. And FIT was really good about taking a agile customer approach here. You know, this, this is a, a process where we, we didn't say we were going to build some kind of fancy Death Star system. It was really small little spurts of, of activity between NSF, universities, and FIT to see where we saw value uh, and, and developed our uh, understanding of what a Bitcoin, uh, excuse me, there you see, I just misslipped, uh, what a blockchain was and, and what it is not, that it is not Bitcoin. Please note yourself, please add it that part, Paul, or, or keep it in there because we're learning a lot here and we're, we're doing this uh, to find uh, value and, and opportunities for us to uh, do better as a government and serve our university uh, stakeholders. So we took this old letter of credit. I mean, some of these terms are just so arcane. I mean, letter of credit is like something from like the 60s with banks and things. And, um, you know, we have this letter of credit payment system um, that we just took to Treasury and said, help, help us innovate this, uh, along with uh, our university uh, customers, included them in, in the process. And, and Craig, this might be a good point for you to weigh in with, with one of the big outcomes of this use case 
is we, with, with FITS help, have built a, uh, what we're calling a, a clickable use case sandbox where um, folks can log into it and see exactly, you know, how a blockchain works. So I think that would be really good for our learning. This is all done in, the, in a sandbox uh, environment. Um, but it's, it's just been one of my, my greatest uh, experiences working with Treasury uh, and the university. So it's just so, it's just been such a refreshing approach, uh, especially with the agile and value approach to um, customer-centric approach to building systems. Craig, do you, you want to add on to that a little bit to uh, help, help clean it up if I, if I could get no, it right? I think there's one point that I want to stress a little bit is this where, you know, we, we did um, a couple different projects right now, a couple different proofs of concept where we originally worked with, it's kind of like said, we kind of said, Here, here's this um, problem that the universities have in blockchain fix it. So we did a little six month proof of concept. And the answer was, was yeah, I, th I think we actually can. Uh, we're seeing some value here. We're seeing some value in re the um, reduction in reporting. And I'll never forget, Mike and I just received a phone call over COVID. We're talking about the next iteration of this project. And I think we both said, you know, we need to find a way for people to get hands on this application. We need to socialize this beyond just our small little project team. So that's where this, what we're calling this blockchain clickable prototype came from is that it's kind of a self-service sort of prototype that anybody can go to the FIT website and start playing around just to see what this application would feel like. And it really has been allowed us to get go well beyond the boundaries of just the small little project team to really start practicing this um, um, with with a lot of different stakeholders that we that we we didn't originally include in the original project. So it is one of the things I think we've done um, right in this project is 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 agile. We made this observable for folks. Like we made this. Um, you just can't go down your local store and, and test out blockchain. It just doesn't exist. So we kind of created that for people, where people could go to our website and say, "Here, here's what it would feel like. Here's the here's the the paradigm shift that that we would all be going through." And it's really allowed us to socialize this um, um, beyond just the project. And I think it's been a huge success for us. Great. Well, yeah, and I, again, so I think definitely I'd like, I'm sure we all like to know what do you guys think worked well? What, what did not work so well? What did you learn from this? You know, what's kind of the next big thing you guys want to tackle here? Yeah, I'll jump in on that. Cause I, I, I think, um, you know, when we think about what worked well and what didn't work well, I, I think I am at a loss to say what didn't work well. Um, as I mentioned, this has been one of the most um, just joyous um, experiences I've had because it's like, you know, what we all do is public service, you know, serving the taxpayers. So we were able to uh, work with our universities on this to see things that are of interest of, of them, uh, get help uh, from, you know, the Treasury Department and, and FIT. Um, to, to do something really innovative here. So I've, I've had nothing but uh, good experiences with this project. And I, I mean, there are challenges ahead, uh, but challenges that I'm comfortable we're, we're going to overcome. Um, the biggest um, challenge, and, and I think from our learning, we're, we're framing this, is um, there's, a, there's issues we've got to um, work out to be able to have 
payment um, authority um, to, you know, with NSF, we have an NSF Act that gives us the legal authority uh, to make payments to universities. Uh, but one of our biggest uh, takeaways is we, we need to make sure we have a clear legal path um, to pay um, uh, subrecipients. Um, you know, so we have that, that traceability. The technology is there. Um, but it's we, we so next phase, and this is just something, Paul. This is just like latest uh, and greatest uh, thoughts or challenges that we're, we're thinking through. Is is much like um, I've seen do not pay uh, work over the years to get the um, you know the different uh, legal authorities and payment things in, in place to be able to do the great analytics they do. Uh, it's kind of like that. So I don't think um, this is uh, sensitive in terms of like, you know, the death master file with social security, it's just a very basic uh, payment authority um, that as a next step, uh, we'll probably work with treasury, our lawyers uh, and OMB as well to kind of get their counsel on how to kind of set up this authority. Um, so that that's like uh, one, one uh, next step. But the second step is um, th this is just going to set up a whole new world order for us in, in terms of um, workload, um, technology, and innovation where, you know, if we were able to set up this, this um, distributed ledger network, I, I think it's going to be as big as the internet was and, and how our world has changed with the internet. And I've seen some people say that, but it's just this distributed ledger is just kind of like a, almost like an internet protocol with, with payment functionality built in. So there, there's just a sea of work and compliance and burden um, that that may go away, and, and that's going to be mind blowing for people. It's going to be mind blowing for us in terms of like the the workload um, and relying on these um, protocols to you know um, approve the payments. Um, it, it's going to be a big um, audit burden relief. I mean, our auditors. Um, you know, all the burden that goes along with an audit um, is not going to be there. Um, so I, I think there's going to be some major change management to, I mean, I think audits will be a different form. Um, you know, we might have, you know, obviously, you know, information security will always, you know, will be a big emphasis. But one, one of the next steps we're really looking into for change is, is change management, just really understanding you know, these are the internal controls and processes we have now. Um, this is how they could change and, and getting ready for that. Um, but really, you know, one, one of my backgrounds is in, in internal controls. So we're going to really, you know, kind of take that GAO Green Book, OMBA 123, and just at the highest standards, you know, standard by standard going through um, how, how this is going to work um, and J, uh, engage the IG community because there's just, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a workload burden for them too that uh, they could be relieved from. So those are a couple next steps. I know that might have been a little long, but the you know the legal authorities and then the change management with internal controls are going to change significantly. Yeah, no, it sounds. I mean, it sounds like a lot of great promise. I mean, you know, the technology and the, and the methodology, and I mean, I'm thinking fraud prevention, all kinds of great things you could potentially do. You know, the strong coding that in, inherent in the in the technology. Um, I was just curious, maybe again for Craig, but you know, um, are you seeing other agencies also express interest in this or is anybody else trying to pilot something? Yeah, great point. So 
there are other agencies that are looking into to blockchain. I don't know if any right now that are that are leveraging the, the tokenization aspect of it. I think um, this is one of the few that I've seen that's actually digitally representing an asset and, and um, tying it into some sort of a, a payment. But yes, I mean, and to Mike's point, I think the next step for us is to really socialize with a lot of other agencies. Um, HHS comes to mind, VA comes to mind, some of these, these grant-making agencies where a lot of money's going out in that way. And, and I think, you know, I think innovation is a, is a social process. I think that's kind of where we are right now is we just need to go out there and continue socializing what we're doing and, and just to continue pressure testing this very different paradigm shift that we're seeing and how we can engage in um, uh, have grant recipients draw down in the future. And to my point, I think it's a huge culture change. Um, one of the immediate next steps, and maybe Justin can talk a little bit about this, is you know the blockchain is going to have to be integrated somehow with the financial system, with agencies' financial systems. Another thing we're going to have to do is we're going to we find some elegant and simple way for onboarding um, subrecipients onto the sector. So how do the subrecipients um, download or acquire that digital wallet that's going to be necessary for them to receive these tokens and then redeem those tokens for payment. So there are some challenges that, that lie ahead. But again, I think the, the key to this is just socializing what we're doing, um, continuing to, to identify challenges that may come in our way, start to lay out some perspectives on how we think this might work in the future, and just see, you know, how far we can go. I think I think we we are learning a lot, um, but I think first and foremost, you know, the functionality of this has to be there, right? So I think this has to improve the lives of this has to improve the lives of our grant recipients. This has to improve our lives. So I think we have a still a little bit more to learn around that as well. But promising, as you had mentioned, Paul. I think there's along with this. When, hey, Craig, one thing, I, um, one angle on Paul's question made me think about uh, other agencies. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, uh, Mike Peckham and HHS and their reinventing uh, grant initiative. Um, I, I guess it's kind of like RPA. I, like I'm thinking of, you know how RPA started and there's all these different use cases and, and ways to figure out how to use RPA. Uh, it's kind of like that with blockchain, but I, I, I think we're a little bit, it's not that the market or the environment's not exactly there yet um, as it was with RPA. But um, I, as I mentioned, I'm a big fan of HHS with what they've done with reinventing grant because they've, um, you know, they, they have distributed ledger technologies that they've looked into um, more on kind of like the grant oversight, like they've got a digital passport, which I'm sure would make a, a great uh, podcast if you haven't done already, Paul. Um, but the, the thing that um, I'm very interested with uh, HHS is they've um, done a lot of front to, to get this, um, you know, these types of things uh, authorized. So I know there's uh, work uh, to be done kind of connecting with NIST, uh, HHS, and, you know, our project here uh, to really figure out how, how to, um, you know, get, get this uh, type of technology through the ATO process. <clears throat> And that's a good point, Mike. I think we've been learning more and more about these blockchain platforms. Um, these are new to the federal government. You have Hyperledger or Ethereum or Corda 
And we still, I think from a technical perspective, still need to unpack a lot of these technologies you do, you know, blockchain. Do they meet or comply with federal standards or regulations? So there is a lot of technical standpoint as well. So, um, but again, I think what we're trying to achieve is promising. I just think there's a lot of things that we have to learn, but it's a fun process. We, I think we have a really good process. Mike said this is really agile. Let's just do 90 days sprints to ask the question and then, and then figure it out and kind of move from there. Because um, you do kind of find a lot of failure in these newer technology arenas, but um, so far so good. Um, no, just we're getting kind of near the end here, so I just wanted to see if uh, you guys had any final thoughts as far as maybe back to NSF. What are you guys doing immediately next? You know, early twenty twenty one. What are your plans for for this project? Uh, immediately, and Craig, I I hope I'm not overstepping myself uh, here, but continuing to partner with FIT kind of like our leading think, think tank in the, in the government for, for technology, um, continue. Um, we're uh, going to have some conversations on how to address um, um, the, the legal um, authorities, um, you know, continue to work on that. Um, and then the, the change management aspect is something because it, it, it is coming. It's uh, the tech, well, excuse me, it's there. The technology is there. Um, we, we just got to figure out how to, um, help people through the, the change management. Just today, Paul, I was uh, talking to OPM. They, they actually, um, this might be a whole new podcast you could do um, on the, the change management aspects of uh, technology. Uh, OPM actually has a guide for that. So we're working with the CFO Council um, actually to put out a uh, workforce uh, strategic plan, and it's heavily, heavily, heavily um, you know, based on data and technology, and we're talking through, we really need a, a change management component because I think people get a little spooked when they hear things like, uh, you know, or, you know, it's close to Bitcoin or, you know, really just everything we've been raised on, you know, central ledgers, it's not going to be that way. And it's not that way, net, you know, the technology's there, it's just helping people through. Um, the technology, including our auditor friends. I think there's a lot of work um, um, that they'd be interested in, in changing as well. So there's, there's a couple next steps, the, the legal authorities and then the, the change management that goes along with this. Okay, well, great. No, that this has been very informative. I thank uh, Mike and Craig and uh, Justin for joining us today. I'm sure we could talk a lot more about this, but maybe another day, another podcast. So... But yeah, this was a great, uh, very interesting project. I'm looking forward to hearing more about this technology in the government. So thanks again, everybody. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, thank you. That's our show. Thanks for joining us. AGACGFM.org is where you go to learn more, follow some links on our podcasts. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys are enjoying these all. And uh, ready for the holidays and then we'll have a whole set of new guests for the new year i'm sure but until next time this is paul marshall signing off for accountability talks with aga